Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. From the beginning of uh, the creation of human beings all the way to the uh, to the resurrection of the dead. So it's... Uh, so fasten your brain belts. This is, this is going to be a, a really uh, fun ride, a fun journey, um, and everything like that. Uh, I just, you know, my Rebbe, uh, Rav Shlomo Karlbach, once said something, and ever since he said it, it's been really echoing through my brain, which is, um, he asked a question. It's a simple question, but it's so profound, which is, what kind of eyes are you looking at the world with? And um, you know, it's, it's a big question. It's a big question because on a very, very deep level, we, we get to decide how we want to see the world. In other words, a, a lot of that is actually our choice and it's in our power, how we want to see the world. Um, and, and, and to just further that um, thought, just not, not just what kind of eyes are we looking at the world with, what kind of eyes are we looking at God with? And what kind of eyes are, are we looking at each other with? And, you know, like I say, part of this is our choice, but we, we also have to understand that there is such a thing as truth. There is such a thing as objective, objective reality, what, what actually exists. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, is that um, we, we have to understand that uh, that, that these thoughts go deep, deeper than, than wishful thinking, that there, that there actually is a tangible reality out there. Now, one of, the, one of the coolest things I ever heard was a definition of genius. And, and what this definition is, is that genius is the ability to actually see what's there, which is actually, if you think about that, that's kind of a surprising definition. Genius is the ability to actually see what's there. Um, what does that mean? So, for instance, uh, Newton, uh, Sir Isaac Newton, didn't sort of imagine gravity. He, he saw gravity, and he was able to come up with the, the, the numerical formula to describe what was actually there. Einstein, when we talk about relativity, when we talk about the curvature of space, he actually saw what in fact was there. And so I think that it's very important for us as Jews to understand what, what the Torah, what Hashem is saying is actually there. What, what world are we actually living in? And, and we have to understand something. We talked about it a little bit last week. There is a narrative to creation. There is a story that we're in the middle of. And it, it's, it's really important that we understand the story that God is telling, because if you know the story that God is telling, you're going to experience it in a very different way. And, and the great news is, and again, this is, this, this is coming from Hashem. This is not just us like trying to look for the best in things. This, this is coming from Hashem, which is that there is a happy ending to creation. This is, that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. Now, what, what, one of the coolest things I ever heard was from Rabbi um, Cardozo, who said there is, there's a, a, a great philosopher um, uh, named Schopenhauer. And Schopenhauer was like a, an, like a 
really bitter guy. Like he, he really like didn't like people at all. And, and he hated Jews. And, and I, I love the reason why he hated Jews. Okay, <laughs> that might sound strange, but, but I really do. He hated Jews because he accused us, you ready for this? He accused us of giving optimism to the world. That, that's kind of funny, isn't it? But if optimism is actually the truth, in other words, if there actually is a happy ending to creation, then, then, optimism, then opti optimism is a reality. It, that, that's, that's important for us to understand. In other words, like, like genius being the ability of seeing what actually is there, if there actually is a happy ending there, then, then, then that's the reality, okay? And, and what's, what's so interesting about contemporary society is that, is that um, sophisticates, people who imagine they're very cultured, very highly intellectual people, really um, see their cynicism, see their pessimism as a sign of depth of their character. Like they're very deep thinkers. That's, that's why they're pessimistic. And that's, that's a sign of the truth of their thinking because they've had the ability to plumb the depths of depression. But, but, but that's not the case. It's not the case because there is a happy ending. Okay, good. So, so let's go further, let's go deeper. Um, a lot of people think if we want to start at the beginning of the story of creation, a lot of people think that it, it begins with the words vayahi or, and God said, let there be light. In other words, the world started with darkness, and then God says, let there be light, and now all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, it's a happier place. But really, if you want to get down to like the, the very beginning, the very root of everything, it's all darkness. Okay, so that's not the case. That's, that is not the case. Um, one of the names of God, we know that God existed before the world was created. So one of the names of God um, is or in sof, which means light without end or endless light, right? That's, that is the very foundation of the world. Because before the world was even created, all there was was endless light. So, so when we think about the beginning of the world, and, and this, this influences how we think about our lives, right? We have to understand that the, the beginning of everything is light and not darkness. So that's already like shifting the way we, we view everything. Because we understand that the world actually starts from a very, very positive, very beautiful beginning. Now, the reason why I want to take us on this journey from, from the creation of human beings um, to Techias Amesim, to the resurrection of the dead, um, is, is because we're in the middle of the story right now. And one of the, the greatest things I ever heard from, from Reb Shlomo is he said like this, he said that everybody loves a finished product. Everybody loves you when you're a grape, and everybody loves you when you're wine, right? He says, but do you know what a grape has to go through to become wine? How much it has to be stepped on and crushed? He says, who loves you when you're in between? Those are your real friends, the people who love you when you're in between. And so I wanted to add on to that thought a little bit. 
which is that right now the world is in between. And who loves God while the world is still in between, while there's still evil in the world, while there's still sickness in the world? And those are God's true friends. And so right now we're in the middle of a crisis. So, so we have to be real friends to each other because all of us right now, it's not just the world that's in between, but all of us in our own lives, in our own situations are very much in between. And, and, and again, who are your true friends? Those are the people who love you like when you're like right in the middle. So that's right now. So that's why I feel like getting a big overview from the beginning all the way to the end is so important right now because we're all in between. So we need the big picture. We need, we need giant perspective, I think. So that's what I'm gonna to try to offer today. So let's, let's start with the beginning of human beings. So, so it's, it's actually the, the, the Kabbalistic narrative. And, and by the way, let's, let's just understand what, um, why we need to learn these things right now, okay? There's a, there's a, beautiful, um, a beautiful parable about a king who had a sick, a sick son. And all the doctors kind of try to cure this son and, and, and no one is successful. And finally, a very wise man comes to the king and says, listen, I, I, I can cure your son, but, but this medicine will, um, will, will, will necessitate me taking the primary jewel from your crown and grounding it down into powder. And I'm going to mix it with water. I'm going to give it to your son and that will heal him. Are you okay with that? And, and the king said, to save, my, to, to, to save my child's life? Are you crazy? Of, of, of course I'm okay with that. And so, so that's what they say in terms of disseminating this type of information that we're going to share today. These Kabbalistic thoughts, the origin of man, where people are going, all these thoughts are, are on the level of kind of like the secrets of Torah. But, but the idea is, is that the king, who's Hashem, like, he's willing, to, he's willing to share these secrets with us, even though maybe we're not on the highest spiritual level yet. Maybe we don't really, haven't really earned the right to, to hear all these, like, amazing, amazing, amazing thoughts yet. But, but just like the king who's willing to forego the primary jewel of his crown in order to heal his children, these teachings are very healing. And so, so that's our heter, that's our permission to say over this information. So after Adam and Chava ate from, from, from the tree of knowledge, and, and we, were, we were sort of exiled from the, the Garden of Eden, before that happens, God does something very, very beautiful. He says, listen, I, I want to clothe you. And the Torah talks about how God clothed us in cutness or. And, and this is a very, like, very interesting phrase, cutness or, which are these, like, these garments, these clothes that God himself made for us. And so all the rabbis are like really digging into what is this cutness or? What are these, what are these garments? And you're going to hear like a big variety of opinions, but it's also going to give us the secret of what human beings look like at the beginning of creation, according to the Holy Ari, okay? So, 
So let's begin. Let's begin with um, Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir was um, one of the, the 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 greatest sages of the of the Talmud, and it says Stam Mishnah Rebbe Meir that if there's no name um, uh, next to a teaching in the Mishnah, that means it's from Rebbe Meir. So that means that a lot of the Torah Shabbal Peh, a lot of all of the Mishnah is actually composed by Rebbe Meir, right? And you know he was putting down into words our traditions that we got from Mount Sinai. Okay, so Rebbe Meir had a, a Torah scroll. And where it says that God gave us garments of light, the word for garments is or. But it's not or, it's or with an ayin, the letter ayin, um, which would mean skin, right? Or sometimes it's, it's translated as leather or something like that. So ayin vav resh spells or. And, and these were the garments that God gave us. That's how it's written in the Chumash, in the Torah. But, but, but Rebbe Meir, in the margin of his Torah scroll, wrote the letter Aleph. And this is a very, very amazing thing. In other words, he was making this emendation. He wasn't changing the text of the Torah, but he was telling us what's really going on in terms of what God is telling us in the Torah. That don't read that God gave us garments with an iron, this, this leather, this skin, but understand that our garments, our bodies, were made out of ore with an olive, that we were creatures of light. So this is, wow. So wait a second, you're telling me that human beings, when we were first created, we were creatures of light? That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. But it actually makes sense if you understand that the world started off from a place of light and that we're created in God's image, right? And God, believe me, there's, there's no parameters that we can put on God. God is whatever word we use, he's beyond, 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 beyond. But nonetheless, initially, we were creatures of light. Now, with this in mind, perhaps I'd like to try to use that to explain kind of a perplexing Gomorrah. It's in Baba Basra, page 75a, if you want to look it up which is that it says that when Adam was first created, you ready for this? He was a hundred cubits tall, which is approximately the size of a 10-story building in today's terms, right? So when we were first created, we were the size of a skyscraper, okay? But then there's another opinion, which is Rebbe Mayer, who we just mentioned. He says when human beings were first created, when man was first created, we were 200 cubits tall. We were the size of a 20-story skyscraper, okay? That's, that's unbelievable. But if you understand that initially, Adam was created as a creature of light, then all of a sudden, okay, now it's a, it's a, we can understand that. This is it's, it's a different way of looking at it because we weren't really like a, a, a physical, we weren't like a physical giant. Like it was... We, we existed on like a different plane of reality at that point. Okay, it's, 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 it's much more understandable, I think. Okay, but now let's kind of get to what happens after we eat from, from the tree of knowledge. So after we eat from the tree of knowledge, the entire world becomes much more physicalized. Human beings, we become much more physicalized. And now all of a sudden this description of humans um, 
with the letter ayin, or like skin or leather, like now we become like how we know ourselves. Now that becomes much more understandable, okay? Like the whole world gets much more compacted. Now, what were these garments of light that God gave us? Now, there's a big range of opinion. Probably the most famous one is Rashi, which is that we, we covered ourselves um, initially um, with, a, with, a, with a fig leaf, right? But now we're talking about the, 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 the garments that, that, that God made for us. And you'll see that I'm going to give you two opinions, and you'll see that there's a, like they're, 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 they're complete opposites, complete opposites. So let's start with what the Baal Torum says. He says that God clothed us, you ready, you ready for this? With the big day kahuna, with the, with the, with the garments that the kahanim wore in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Mishkan. And, and not just any garments, with irons, with the high priest's garments. So can you imagine God clothed us with the high priest's garment? Now, why would God do that in the Garden of Eden after we just disobeyed his will, after he's escorting us out of the Garden of Eden into exile. And so what, what comes to me, and I, I think that this is really beautiful, is that God said, you know, I want to I want to quote <laughs> I want to quote Kanye West. He has he has this great lyric. He says, he says, you're not perfect, but you're not your mistakes. Right? You're not perfect, but you're not your mistakes. After we make the biggest mistake in the world, right? God is 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 clothing us in 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 the priest in the in, in the garments of the of the Kain Gadol. God is telling us, you know something? It's okay. You're not your mistakes. You're not your mistakes. So I want you to look at yourself. And I want you to think of yourself in a very beautiful way because you're capable. You're capable of great things. You can do great things. You can still do great things, but you have to, you have to, you have to think of yourself as still a product of, of the divine. And that's such a lesson for all of us because, you know, like Rebbe, Rebbe Nachman says, if you believe you can make a mistake, you also have to believe that you can fix it really one of the fundamental teachings. You can't get through life without that teaching. If you believe that you can make a mistake, you also have to believe that you can fix it. And so after our mistake, Hashem robes us in the garments of the high priest of Israel. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So beautiful. Okay. Now listen to this next opinion. This is from the Targum Yonasan, right? which is giving over a lot of the secrets of the Torah. And it's, it's the complete opposite. It will, it, it's going to sound like the complete opposite, but you'll see there's actually something very beautiful in the end too. But it's, it's taking a, a very different approach. Okay? So, so it goes like this. Uh, that God, gar, God gave us garments, but you know what he made him out of? Snake skin. Right? The skin of the snake. Wow. Okay, that's like a very different bit of imagery. So, why? So on the most kind of like brute level, you know, we're supposed to understand that we went against God, right? We listened to the snake. 
And now we kind of got snake on us, right? In the Kabbalistic Svarim, uh, they re refer to it as Zuama. That's the snake poison that went into us. That's this, this idea that there's always this sort of like question of doubt that's, that's inside of us. Like there's this part of us which, you know, has resistance. It's a, it's a separation between the mind and the heart. You know, they say, what's the largest distance in the universe? The biggest, biggest distance in the whole universe. The distance between the mind and the heart, because there's this, this blockage there, right? So that's this idea that God garbed us in, in snakeskin. So, but it's actually, if you think a little bit more deeply about it, it it's, it, there's actually a beautiful message there and, and an instructional teaching that God is giving us. You see, the word for clothing is beged in Hebrew. And beged is a really, really interesting word because beged is spelled base gimel dalet. In other words, it's, it's, it's in sequence of the olive base, right? Base is the second letter of the olive base, gimel the third, Dalit the fourth, second, third, fourth. But but you want to hear something really, really amazing? Begit shares the same Hebrew root as Bogeit, which means a traitor. So, so the word for clothing and the word for traitor, right? Someone who like um, goes against, right? Like defies the ruler, a traitor. The word for clothing and traitor are the same. So you know what's interesting about clothing being spelled base, gimel, dalit? It's missing the letter aleph, right? It's going in order, second, third, fourth letters of the aleph base. But what about the first letter of the aleph base? What about the what about what about the aleph? And of course, aleph is the number one, and aleph means everything that's godly in the world, right? Because God is one, right? So, so if our clothing is snakeskin, if our, if our clothing, if the skin, if our, if our physicality is the clothing that God gave us and that's snakeskin, and we're saying that, that, it's, that it's a traitor and that it's covering over, base gimel dalid begid is covering over the olive. Now we can understand something much, much deeper which is that I think the Targum Yonasan is, 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 is telling us on, on a very deep level that when we look at our bodies, our physical bodies, we should understand that it's not our true self, that it's just covering over. It's just covering over our true self, which is the Aleph. And if we believe that we are our bodies, then our bodies becomes a traitor to what our real essence is, which is our souls, which is our true identity. Now, now we live in a physicalized world, right? And it's easy to think that what you see with your eyes is, is all that's there. Um, but we have to understand something, which is that even though we sort of became enrobed, according to the Targum Yonasan, in this snakeskin, right? Nonetheless, what I'm about to tell you remains true, 
which is that there are five levels to the soul. All right, we have the nefesh, ruach, neshama, that's inside of us. And then there are two levels of the soul that exist outside of us, the chaya and the yechira. And those go all the way up to the kiseya covered, all the way up to the throne of glory. Which means, let's get back to that idea that we were originally creatures of light. Let's get back to that idea that when Adam was created, he was originally the size of a 10-story building or a 20-story building. You see, each one of us doesn't end at our heads because our souls, which is our true essence, goes all the way up to the throne of glory, all the way up to the highest heavens, and that hasn't changed. <laughs> That's still our reality. That's still our reality. Okay, but but we want it to be revealed again, right? We want to be in a world that's rectified, where, where there isn't all this confusion. And that's exactly where we're heading. And so we, we have to go now to, to, to the next step of the journey. And, and what, what that involves is, we're going to cut all the way, all the way to the end of the story now, um, which is to the resurrection of the dead. Now, you should know something, which is, let's, let's just talk about that concept in general, because that concept for, for some people is difficult. Like, they're like, what are you talking about? Like, resurrection of the dead? Like, that's, that's, that must be like real extra credit Judaism, right? Now you're just talking Kabbalah. Well, what if I were to tell you that, that not only is it not extra credit, not only is it not Kabbalah, but that it's considered one of the absolute essential teachings of Judaism, that it's in the category of Judaism 101, and that someone who doesn't accept this isn't just saying, well, you know, I'm not a mystic, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know about that stuff, but that someone who doesn't accept that is considered a denier, a denier, not because of someone who denies the truth, right? And, and actually, they're, they're, their, their spiritual repercussions of, 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 you know, our access to like the higher worlds after our death, if we deny this fundamental principle. So, so it, it's not something that people talk about so much. It's a very, very important, very central concept in Judaism, which is at the end of days, the dead come back to life, right? So let's, um, let's try to wrap our minds around it because when you begin to discuss it a little bit, you'll, you'll actually see that there's a, a beautiful logic to it. And it's not as far out as it may seem. You know, uh, I'll just tell you, uh, just in, 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 in the popular imagination, we'll get to some Torah sources in a moment, but in the popular imagination, uh, Jurassic Park was like uh, a, a great example. They, they're, and they're finding, they're finding fossils with, with DNA of, of these like extinct creatures. And they're working with, these, with the DNA that they're extracting to bring these things back to life. And so, so, so the idea is that we go underground and then we're gonna rise up again. And we're gonna talk about that process in detail in a little bit, God willing. Um, but think of it this way. The resurrection of the dead is acted out billions of times a day. And, and, and the, the example that I'd like you to think about is grass, grass in the ground. And you plant a seed, and this is true for all growing things. Um, 
like trees and things like that. You plant a seed in the ground. It gets buried over like a person, right? But let's talk about seeds right now. The seed disintegrates, right? We're going to turn into dust, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? That's a, that's a Torah idea. And, and then from that, after we sort of, after the seed disintegrates, a sprout shoots up and pokes through the ground and lives again, right? It's buried and then it enters the world again, newly, newly fresh with life. And that's acted out all over the world, like every day, probably billions of times. It's unbelievable, right? So, so you see the mechanics of resurrection of the dead as part of our everyday life. Okay, so the Gomorrah gives a very interesting example. They say, basically, it's like a kalvachomer, right? It, 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 so, so what's a kalvachomer? What, what would you say is harder? to create something out of nothing or to create something out of something? So, so the, the answer is to create something out of nothing is, is more difficult. So now think of yourself for a moment. You didn't exist. And then all of a sudden, you know, you exist. Like that, that's pretty amazing. You never existed before and now you exist. Now, once you've existed, like, in other words, the bigger miracle is that you are here at all, right? Because you weren't here before you were born, and now you're here. Now, once you're here, God can take the remains of who you are and bring you back. In other words, resurrection of the dead is a lesser miracle than your initial birth. Do you understand? The bigger miracle is that, you're, that you were even born. How did you get born? And now that you've been born, okay, so God can take, you know, the remains of you and then, and, you know, bring you back to life again. So it's actually a lesser miracle, resurrection of the dead. That's, that's what the Gomorrah says in Sanhedrin. And if you think about it, it's, it's very logical. It's very beautiful. I'll tell you one of my favorite teachings, just because it's so way out. It's from the Berdichever Rebbe, right? And, and, and there's a famous question, which is that if we believe in reincarnation, and we do, so... So which version of us is going to come back to life? So now you should know um, there's 613 commandments and each person is composed of 613 parts. Each part of you correlates with a different mitzvah of the Torah. And so, so we come back to life because there's, there, there's certain mitzvahs that we haven't done yet, but at a certain point we complete all the mitzvahs. So again, the question is, which one of me is going to be brought back to life in the end of days? And so the Berdichever says something wild. He says, God is going to take, is going to do like a greatest hits version of you, of all of us. God is going to take each part of you, which did the mitzvah, the absolute best, and assemble the best, best version of who you've always been. And, and that's what's going to be brought back to life, which is like, that's a wild thought. It's a beautiful, beautiful thought. Okay. So, so what I hope that we, we understand um, more fully right now is, is this concept of the resurrection of the dead. And, and, and what's going to happen at that point, by the way? We're going to be finally, 
finally the, 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 the people that we were created to be. Meaning to say death is going to, going to disappear. Like this is um, according to the Ramban right now, but ultimately everyone agrees, even people who have different opinions of this, all agree that, that this is the destiny, that all of us are going to become like these, like these idealized human beings, right? Like, like imagine if, um, you know, there's a beautiful teaching, which is that from Rav Cook that I heard from Rav Shlomo, which is that Adam and Chava, right, were created like a few moments before, before Shabbos. What if they hadn't done anything wrong? Where would they have gone on Shabbos, right? Because you have to go up on Shabbos. So he says they would have gone to Yerushalayim, but not the Yerushalayim below, the Yerushalayim above, right? So just, just awesome. Like, like, like that destiny is going to be restored to us. And now I want to get into the, a more Kabbalistic narrative of, of, of what our destiny is, how, how God is going to do that. Because the, the story is, all these teachings are, are really quite amazing. And I'm learning now from Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver. He was a second generation after the Vilnagon. And, and, and he's like just a treasure chest of unbelievable teachings. And, and I really love Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver. And, um, and I want to tell you a story just about, uh, just a personal story, just this kind of, this amazes me to this day. So, so I want to share it with you. True story. Um, so I, I was learning uh, a commentary of his uh, uh, called, uh, well, we'll get to the name of it in a moment. <laughs> okay. Well, it was called Ortar. Okay. It's a perush on a book uh, by the Vilna Gons brother called Milo Sitar. Okay. Or Torah, right. Meaning the, the light of Torah. And I was just loving these teachings so much that I, I I ordered more books by him, and I was sitting alone in kind of where I, I learned Torah. This room in my house where all my books are and everything, and and I got a new shipment of books from Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver, and I was so happy, and it was a very emotional moment. And I opened up the box with the books in them, and and I held them against my chest and I was just hugging them. I was hugging these books and I was thanking God for, for giving me these, these, these books um, by, by Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver, by the Or Torah. And as I was hugging these books and thanking God, like I said, it was a very kind of emotional moment. The phone rings and we have caller ID, which, which tells you who's calling, okay? And so at that moment, I'm hugging the books, the phone rings, and my daughter comes into the room and she says, um, Or Torah is on the phone for you. And that, that's the name of the book that I was learning of Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver. Or Torah is calling for you right now. That's what she said. And, and yet, I just have to tell you one more thing so that it's, it's as amazing as that is, it's actually even more amazing. <laughs> because this caller ID that she read Or Torah on, um, 
inverts the first and last name. So for instance, my name is David Sachs. So, so if, if I were calling the house, it would read Sachs David, right? It, it inverts it. So, so, so a, a, a shul, a synagogue in our, in our neighborhood uh, called Torah Or was calling the house. <laughs> but because this caller ID in, inverts the names, it read Or Torah, which was the name of the book of Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver that I was learning. So my daughter read Or Torah and came into the room and said, Or Torah is calling for you right now. Okay, so, so I mean, you know, the, the, the Gomorrah says that this world and the next world are as close as two hairs on a head. So when things like that happen, you know, you, 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 you really understand that all the souls, all the souls are with us. They're all, they're, all, they're all with us. We can't see them because if we see them, we would become deranged. That's what it says. Rabbi Ari Kaplan says something amazing that one of the primary jobs of the central nervous system is actually to block out stimuli. Because if you were actually able to see everything that was going on, like imagine you rode the, the subway in New York and you were able to memorize and, and every single face that you saw clearly, that the mind wouldn't be able to, to, to function anymore. But, but that doesn't mean that, that the souls of the next world aren't, aren't, aren't right here with us. Um, and every once in a while, we, we, you know, we get an experience where we're, we're able to taste that. Okay, so with that introduction of Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver, let me just tell you what's going to happen in the end of days. How is God going to resurrect the dead? So, so, so he's going to, he's going to do it with this, with this heavenly light. And, and do you see a theme here? Before the, there was a world, we had aura and self, endless light. When we were first created, we were light. And now after we're buried, right? And it comes time for this next stage of creation. It's also going to be done with this heavenly light. Now, where is this light going to come from? So, you know, in have you ever heard the expression, ah, I'm in seventh heaven, right? That's that's supposed to be like an expression of the highest pleasure. Seventh heaven. Well, where does that come from? Believe it or not, that's 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 a Gomorrah. That that's that's Gomorrah Chagiga on twelve page twelve B, if you want to look it up. Okay. And it says there are seven heavens there. And the, and the highest, in the highest heaven, in the seventh heaven, which, by the way, the, the Medrash says the name of that heaven is sweetness, okay? In this highest level called sweetness, right? That's not the technical name of it, but that's what the Medrash calls it. There's this tal. That's, that's where this heavenly dew is. And it's from this dew that God is going to resurrect the dead. And it's, it's, by the way, it was that dew that God resurrected us when our souls flew out of our bodies, when we heard God's word at Mount Sinai, okay? He borrowed from this dew, okay? So this dew is coming from the highest, highest heaven, and it's called tal. In Hebrew, it's called tal. And tal is a very interesting word. It's the gematria 39, tet lamed 39, okay? Now, that's a really significant number when it's talking about the resurrection of the dead. First of all, Kabbalistically speaking, God created the world with these 39 lights. Okay, so we're getting back toward the rectification of creation. 
Um, but 39 is also really, really interesting because there are 39 malachas, there are 39 categories of work that it took to build the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert, which was the prototype of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, of the Beis Hamikdash. okay? So with this tal, which is 39, this heavenly light, you ready for this, is going to knead the, the earth, knead the dust, and form human beings again, right? Like, like, in the be, like in the beginning, like when we were kneaded like chala, like originally, like it says like we got, God kneaded the earth like, like chala and, 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 and formed human beings. Well, this heavenly light is gonna do that, this, this, this tal, which is the number 39. Now that's additionally significant because when the Mishkan, when the tabernacle in the desert was finished, um, and we read about it in Parshas Shmini, right, on the eighth day, which was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, we just celebrated this day. Um, there, there's a very strange thing in the Parsha in the Torah. Parsha Shmini begins with the word, like, and by the way, this was a great event when God, when God, made, when we made the Mishkan, when we finished the, 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 the tabernacle, uh, it said God rejoiced like he did when the world was created. Why? Because the Mishkan was like a, a miniature of the perfected world and a miniature of perfected human beings, okay? Both simultaneously. And how are they both simultaneously, right? How is the Mishkan both the world and a human? Well, one of my favorite, favorite parables in the world, I, I didn't read it connected to this, but I'm applying it to this, but I love it so much, is um, it, it's a story like this. So, so there's a, a man, a father, and he, he comes home after a hard day's work and he's, he's exhausted. He just, he wants to read the newspaper and just, just relax. But he's got a young child who wants to play and the, the child's so happy that his father's home and everything like that. So the, the, the dad doesn't know what to do. He, he's just trying to read the newspaper, right? So, so he, he notices there's a very complicated map of the world. And, and so he he gets an idea, like this is sort of like a delay tactic. He's gonna make a game out of it and hopefully keep his child entertained long enough and for him to have a nice rest. So he, he tells his child he's, he, he's gonna make a jigsaw puzzle out of the world. He takes, he takes the map of the world and he rips it up into a lot of different small pieces. And he tells the child, like when you put together this map of the world, then we'll play. And the father figures like, okay, I bought myself some time, very good. So like a minute later, the child comes back and says, I did it. And, and the father can't understand, like, it's like this complicated map of the world and all these little pieces. How could it be the child is a young child? How could it be that he, he completed it? So the father takes a look, a look and it's true that the, the, the child really did it. So, so he asks his son, how did you, how did you do it? And, 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 and the child says, he said, it was easy. He said, there was a picture of a person on the other side. And when I put together the picture of the person, the whole world fell into place. So, so that's how the Mishkan is simultaneously a miniature of the perfected world. And it's also a miniature, a microcosm of the perfected human being all at once. Because when we fix ourselves, we fix the whole world. 
So now let's get back to Parsha Shmini, which is describing the finishing of the Mishkan. It begins with the word Vayahi. Now the original Rebbe is like, wait a second, how can it begin with the Vayahi? Because the Gomorrah explains to us that where you see the word Vayahi at the beginning of a, of a reverse, of the beginning of a Pasuk, that that portends something negative, something bad is going to happen. And we just said that God rejoiced like when the world was created when he made the Mishkan. How can it begin with the word Vayahi? That's the question. And the original Rebbe says, ay, 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 ay. You know why it begins with Vayahi? Because the original plan was that each one of us was supposed to be the Mishkan. Every single one of us was to be the tabernacle, right? And instead it just got turned into a building. So now we're cutting back to the end of days, we're cutting back to the resurrection of the dead. And isn't it interesting that this word tal, which is going to like need the dough, right? This heavenly light from the highest heavens, right? The original light of creation, the Orhada news is gonna come down and it's this number 39, which is the number of categories that it took to create the Mishkan. And that's the light that's going to form us. In other words, what we see is that our personal destinies, that each one of us is going to become a Mishkan, is going to happen again. And I saw from the Sforno something very, very interesting. You know, historically, we, we originally had something called Bama Katanas, which means um, that we could make a little mound, a, a private altar, and we were able to bring offerings to God on our own personal private offerings. After there was a holy temple in Jerusalem, a Beis Amigdash, a new halacha, a new mitzvah came into place, which is that, no, from now on, if you want to bring an offering, it only can be, can't be a private place, it can only be in the holy temple. But all the way at the end, when, when human beings become restored and our destiny is to, is to become mishkans again, the halacha is going to change back that we can have private offerings again because each one of us is going to have the status of like the base of Migdash again. Very beautiful. And you see this hinted at, you see this hinted at by the idea that tal, which is 39, which is the number of categories of work of the Mishkan is going to be the agency that's like forming us again. Okay, now let's go even deeper. We're going to go even deeper now. But God's not just going to make a new us. God is going to make a new world. Now, how did, how is God going to make a new world? You see, there's a, there's a big question. This question is, Shlomo Amelech, right? King Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Or in the words of R. Crumb, "'Twas ever so." <laughs> so if, if nothing, if there's nothing new under the sun, how is this new reality, this new reality where we never die, where we're one with God, where, how is this new reality going to come into existence? So the Sfas says, you know, it's true, there's nothing new under the sun, but above the sun? Above the sun, there's constant newness. 
Okay, so now we're going to get, let's go back to Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver, right? And he's going to tell us how God is going to do it, something unbelievable. Okay, so, so the holiest name of God, the Yudke Vavke, right? And, and I always like, whenever we're learning this name of God, it's, it's on one level, right? This, this name means was, is, will be. It's a, it's a con, it conjunction of the past, present, and future. It means the infinite, beyond, 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 right? But, but on one level, it's also like a map of the universe, okay? The cosmic map of the universe, where the first yud of God's name is, like think of it as a ladder going down, is, is above, that's the highest light, and then you have the letter K or hey, and then you have Vav, which is bringing the light all the way down to this bottom hey, which is this realm that we inhabit right now, okay? Now, so those are four stages, right? That's the yud K Vav K, and the bottom K, the bottom hey, meaning this dimension that we're in right now. Now, now there's an amazing correlation with these four letters, many correlations with these four letters, but, but one of them is the classic ingredients that the material universe is made out of, okay? So, so that's, that's fire, water, wind, and earth. And those four correlate with the yud ke vav ke. And the earth, again, would be that bottom hay. That's, that's the earth. So how is the earth formed? Through the combination of the higher three elements, which is fire, water, and air or wind. Okay? Now listen to this. Something, this, this blew me away. We know, and it says it right in Pirkei Avos, right? That, that when God created the world, he created it with um, 10 utterances, 10, 10 sayings. And the way you say the word saying, now, what are these, how, how do you say it in Hebrew? What are these elements in Hebrew? Um, it's, it's Eish, Mayim, and Ruach. Eish, Mayim, and Ruach combined to form the earth, right? Okay. So, so God created the world with 10 sayings. Uh, what's the Hebrew word for saying? And it's Amar, Aleph, Mem, Resh, with 10 Amars, uh, Aleph, Mem, Resh, 10 sayings, okay? Now listen to this. Amar is Roshe Tevos, Eish, Mayim, Ruach, right? What, what, what were these sayings? What was God creating with these sayings? fire, water, and wind combining down to create the physical universe, the earth, right? Wild, amazing. Now, now God is going to do it again. This is what Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver says, that God is going to recombine fire, water, and air, right? Eish, Mayim, and Ruach. And God is going to to create a new fabric of reality out of this world. And that's going to be this world where there's just oneness, right? And all of that dust, all of that dust in the end, he says that you're going to see this amazing transition. You're going to see the world go. Remember we talked about 
ayins and alephs at the very beginning? He says that when man becomes recreated at the end, that the snake, sin, the snake skin is going to be taken away, that we're going to return to being creatures of light. And that the dust, this word for dust, afar, right? Ayin peiresh, ayin peiresh. That it's going to, that the ayin is going to be transformed into an aleph, right? It's going to be spelled ether, ether. Aleph peiresh. The ayin is going to turn into an aleph. Now, what does that mean? You see, we've got this concept of death right now, and there are different expressions of death. One of them, believe it or not, is the final letters of the Aleph base. You know, there are 22 letters in the Aleph base, and there are five final letters. Okay? These final letters, what does a final letter do? It stops a word. What does death do? Death seems to stop life, right? So if you add up the gematria, of those final letters, the five final letters, it comes up to 280, which is fe resh. So in other words, all stoppages, all endings, all death is going to go, right? We said that the dust, the ion of dust is going to turn into an aleph. Aleph fe resh. Fe resh is 280. It's all the final letters. All the final letters, the fe resh, are going to merge into this Aleph, into the oneness of God. There's not going to be any blockages anymore. We'll finally be in that place where we'll be able to connect to the deepest, most beautiful way. And this is the story of creation. This is, this is what we're in the middle of right now. And I'm telling you this because we have to know the ending of this story. And now the question is, how do we get there? You and me, how do we get there together? So, you know, one of my favorite people in the entire world, he, he wrote me a, a text, a heartbreaking text. And, and uh, I asked him permission if I could read it to you. And this person, I don't want to mention his name, um, but, but uh, he has a heart the size of a planet, right? So he wrote me, he says, I'm just reading it, about our situation today. He says, what's hard is that the enemy is invisible and Hashem is invisible. All I see is more and more distance between people. I'm afraid to share the air with another person, much less touch them. How is any of this good? It's all fear, 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 no love. I think a lot of us are, are wondering this. A lot of us are, are, are going through this. And I, I want to just share with you just on a practical level, we've been talking about some very Kabbalistic, very exalted things. But let's talk about the here and now and what we can do right now. Um, you know, we have 613 mitzvahs, and the great majority of these mitzvahs we can't do today. And, and the reason is because we don't have a holy temple. And And we want to do these mitzvahs. And I feel like it's as, it's as if Hashem is saying, you see, the rabbis explain the reason why we don't have a holy temple 
is because we have this thing called sinas chinam. We have this, we're hating each other for no reason. And I feel like Hashem is saying, you know something? I'm going to give you the temple in the end of days. I, I am. I'm going to give it to you. But you know what? Not till you figure out how to love each other. Not till you figure out how to get along with each other. First figure that out, and then I'll give you the temple. And I believe that what Hashem is doing right now, and this is just my personal opinion, is Hashem is saying, okay, listen, I want to make it even clearer to you. Let's forget about everything else. Let's, let's forget about work right now, and let's forget about going out. Let's forget about shopping. Let's forget about even leaving the house for, for the most part. What I want you to concentrate on is just the people in front of you, your family members, right? The people who are in your life, maybe, maybe they're not in your house right now, but the people who are in your life right now, I want to give you the time and the space that you need to figure out how to address these relationships, how to heal these fundamental relationships. Because if you think about it, the people who are most directly in our lives, if we can, if we can all get that network of relationships in a positive place, in a good place, in a healed place, that's the fixing of the whole world. Because that's the foundation of the whole world. So, so there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of, you know, I just want to say all these words that we've been saying up until now, please let it be a refuah for all the people suffering from the coronavirus. Um, and I just want to mention a couple of specific names, Shimshin, Ben Rivka, and Mayor, Ben Peril. Um, there's so many people out there. Let it count for all of them. But I think it all begins, it all begins, and we're, begin, we're being given this, this epic, 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 epic opportunity right now just to look at each other and to get these most fundamental relationships right. And um, I bless us that we should be able to do it. I think we can do it. I really do. Because we know the end of the story. The end of the story is like the ultimate fixing. The ultimate, ultimate fixing. The ultimate, ultimate closeness. So let's just begin by, by, by giving everybody a good eye. And, um, and also just maybe reaching out to someone who we're not getting along with right now. And it doesn't have to be a a huge thing. It can just be an email or a phone call. Hey, thinking about you, or just wanted to touch base with you. Hope you're doing well. And that can be the beginning of a great healing. And I know it's going to take place. And thank you so much for taking part in this talk and, and allowing me to share all these words with you. Thanks for making it this far. Uh, there's a, there's a short part two where I explain the end better. And uh, this is a audio um, from the Zoom talk that was given live uh, Sunday morning. So if you want to join that, 
uh, I'll send you a link uh, for next week or, or whenever. You have to subscribe on Torah on iTunes, T-O-R-A-H on iTunes dot com and um, get on the mailing list and then you'll you'll get a link and you can be part of the talks. Okay, now stay tuned for part two. Well, welcome you guys. I'm 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 really glad you're here. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to um. Let's see. Wait a second. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Great. I'm going to um. I'm gonna kind of pick up on on some of the points that we were talking about earlier because I had uh, I had too much material for for this morning. I don't I don't know how many of you heard it, but I think we're just going to jump right into the very deep end. Okay, so so those of you who missed the uh, who missed the beginning of um, today's talk, I'll give you a, like a, a a slight background, and then we're just going to kind of jump in. Okay, so so we're talking about. Um, we're talking about this this sort of like classic classic problem, which is that um, Shlomo Melech, King Solomon, says there's nothing new under the sun, and if if that's the case, how is God going to go about recreating sort of like a new fabric of reality? That that you know we have to we have to we have to we have to take our Torah sources seriously. So if it says there's nothing new under the sun, then how is God, God going to make a new world? That's, that's kind of the question. So the Svasama says there's nothing new under the sun, but above the sun? You know, that, that's something else, right? So above the sun, there's constant newness. I heard, um, uh, I heard Rabbi Wolfson say something very beautiful. Um, we say, like, uh, God will shine, a, in, we say it in the, in the prayers, God will shine a, a new light on Zion, on Zion, you know, um, or Chadash Al Tzion Tair, um, and 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 the way it's translated is we, we ask God uh, shine shine a new light. But Rabbi Wolfson says actually the way to understand that prayer is shine a light of newness. In other words, that's that's kind of what we're we're davening for, and and boy is God shining a a, a light of newness on the world right now. You know, we, we talked about it last week, just the idea that um, God is like just breaking our habits all across the world in the, in, in the most profound way, in the most profound way. So this, there's this tremendous new light that's shining into the world. Um, so, so let's kind of get back to this like very, <laughs> this is like, you know, we're talking like big picture here, macro, giant big picture, right? which is, um, how is God going to do it? So classically speaking, there are these four elements. There's Eish, Mayim, Ruach, and, and Afar. Let's see, I'm going to, there are two words that sound very much the same. I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing the word earth right. But that's, that's, um, that's fire, water, wind, and, um, and, uh, and earth, okay? It's spelled Ayan, Feirish, ayin feirish, okay? Because we talked about God turning ayins into alphs. Um, I, I didn't really maybe have a, a chance to fully explain that. Ayin is the number 70. And also ayin is a word. It's not just a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Ayin is a word which means the I, okay? So 70 stands for like the 70 nations. 
So 70 is the word for um, uh, multiplicity, meaning the illusion of many powers, okay? That's what the letter ion stands for. And of course, when we look with our physical eye at the physical universe, it looks like there are many powers. So it, it makes sense that the number 70, like the 70 nations, they're all very powerful. And also our eye, ion, perceiving the illusion of many powers. So it works really nicely together. That's on, that's on one side of the spectrum. On the other side of the spectrum is another silent letter because ion is silent, right? But there's another silent letter, that's Aleph. But Aleph represents everything that ion doesn't represent. Aleph represents one because Aleph is like God is one. Aleph is the number one. So Aleph is sort of like the ultimate fixing of all the, of all the ions. Um, let's see. Okay, so ion is the, is the ultimate fixing of all the, or, or rather, Aleph is the fixing of all the ions. Um, and, and so, so, yeah. So we're getting back to oneness. And that's kind of how we finished up. We said, God is going to put this great new light into the world. And he's going to do it with everything, so to speak, above the sun. Remember, below the sun, that's like earth. That's the bottom hay of the yudke vavke, okay? But above the earth, that's, those other three letters stand for or correlate with fire, ash, mayim, water, and ruach, wind. And, and again, those are the initials of the word amar, which is to speak. And God spoke the world into creation, right? So God is going to, so to speak, speak again at the end of days and, and, and reanimate the bottom element, earth, because earth is made from the top three elements, right? Esh, Mayim, and Ruach. God is going to reanimate the earth and resurrect the dead with, um, with, this, amazing, with, a, with this amazing new combination it's the same ingredients. You see the beauty of this? We're still being consistent with what Shlomo Melech says. There's nothing new under the sun. It's true. We're using the exact same ingredients. But God is just kind of going to rejigger the recipe, rejigger the ratio slightly. And this awesome new reality is going to come into being. Okay? Now, I just want to go over it because we said it very, we said it very quickly. And it, it kind of maybe said a little too fast. But we're going to just kind of go into a little bit more detail. So, so Afar, Ayan Feresh, okay, that means the earth is going to turn into Afer, right, which would be translated as ash, actually. And it's the same letters, only the Ayan is being turned into an Aleph there. Now, let's look at this new word, Aleph Feresh, okay, because it's really awesome. Feresh adds up to 280. And why that's significant is because all the final letters of the olive base also add up to 280. And the whole concept of the final letters um, of the alphabet is that they go at the end of a word, which means they, they end something, they stop something, which is also on a very deep level, the concept of death. 
because it seems like death is stopping something. So, so those final letters, which is 280, which is Feiresh, the Feiresh of Afar, Aleph Feiresh, all of that energy, all that final energy is going to go into the Aleph, right? It's all going to be absorbed back into the oneness, which means all of death, the snake skin that we've been sort of physicalized with, right? That's all going to disappear. That's all going to go away. We're going to become creatures of light again. Now look, look at another level that we didn't touch on earlier. Feiresh is also par, as in the paraduma. Efer is ashes. So we're talking about the paraduma here. That par stands for the paraduma, which are the ashes which do what? Remove the impurity of death. You see how that's another element because we're going to be resurrected from the dead. And so all the impurity of death is going to disappear. It's all going to go into the Aleph. So that's, that's awesome stuff. Now, here's a giant teaching that's going to connect to this that I didn't get a chance to say. So I'm so excited to share it with, with just the special few who are on this call. You're going to hear something super cool. God one, God one. Okay, you ready for this? This is from the Jikova Rebbe. He was the grandson of the Ropshitzer Rebbe, who was, you know, one of the, the top, the top Hasidim of, uh, and Rebbe's in their own right, uh, of the Chos uh, of Lublin, okay? So he says one of the world's, one of my favorite, all-time favorite, most amazing gematrias, okay? And this, this speaks to us also. This is sort of like a formula for how we can get to the end of days. Um, because, uh, well, you'll see. So we talked about just kind of fixing the relationships that are right in front of us, that God says, okay, look, I'm, I'm shutting off the whole world and I'm just giving you the relationships that are right in front of you. I want you to concentrate on those. Get those right. Heal those relationships, okay? Reach out to someone, right? That, this is the time now. God is giving us the time and the space that we need to reach out and fix these relationships. Now, when did the Jewish people, okay, now we're getting to the Gematria, when did the Jewish people reach that greatest level of unity? Okay, and, and there's only one answer, by the way. That is at Mount Sinai. Okay, right before we received the Torah at Mount Sinai, or perhaps as a precondition for us receiving the Torah at Mount Sinai. Um, it says that, um, he, here's the phrase from, 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 the, uh, from the Torah, okay? And if you want to look up this, this chapter, it's in Parshas Yisro. It's chapter 19, verse 2. Um, and, and the Jewish people encamped at Mount Sinai. But this phrase is very important. And Rashi says, like one of the biggest Rashis in the whole Torah, Vayichan is in the singular. Now you're talking about a few million people right now. So if you're talking about all of them encamping at Mount Sinai, for sure it should be in the plural. So Rashi is like very focused on this and he wants to say, well, why is, why is Hashem, why is God using the singular here? That we as an entire people in the singular camped at Mount Sinai. Vayichan Sham Yisrael. Why? And he says, because we were like one person with one heart. Okay, this is 
We talked about last week, we talked about making vessels to receive something from above. Like when God wants to give us a big blessing, if we, if we have a giant vessel to receive it, then, then we can receive it. You know, it says that God wanted to give the Torah at the time of Noah. You know, did you ever think of the similarities between the 40 days and 40 nights of rain and the 40 days that Moshe was up on Harsina, right? And Kabbalistically, we say Noah is reincarnated as Moshe. So God wanted to give the Torah at that time, but we didn't have vessels for it. We were not worthy of it at that point, okay? Because we weren't getting along with each other. So when you don't have vessels for a great blessing, it, we can experience it sometimes as calamity, right? So, so the Torah came down in the time of the flood in its physical manifestation. You know, the Talmud says that, 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 that Torah is likened unto water. So we got 40 days and 40 nights of water. We got the physical version because we didn't have vessels for the spiritual version. Okay. At Mount Sinai, we united as one people. And there's no bigger vessel than that. Achtus, togetherness, there's no bigger vessel than that. And, and I'll tell you something that the Megali Amuko says, one of our deepest Kabbalists. You ready for this? That, that unity makes a vessel, right? But, but let's see an example of it. The word for vessel that we keep on using in Hebrew is kli. Kli is spelled chaf uh, lamid yud. And that stands for, that's the first letters of Kohen, Levi, Yisrael. So those are the three uh, segments of the Jewish people. When all of us are together, Kohen, Levi, Yisrael, that's all of Israel, when all of us are together, we make a vessel which can hold the highest, highest, highest light. And that's what happened at Mount Sinai. Okay, but I still didn't tell you the gematria yet. Okay, so again, this is from the Jikova Rebbe, something unbelievable. So, so, so if you add up Vayichan Sham Yisrael, those words add up to 955. And are you ready for this? You know what is also the, the Gematria 955? These four words added up. And I just checked again, just checked again. It's still 955, it still works. Okay, you ready? So, so the togetherness of all of Israel, 955, equals these four words. Eish, Mayim, Ruach, Afar. Isn't that something? All of the elements of the world, when the Jewish people get together, all of reality becomes in harmony. It reverberates and it impacts the entire, the entire universe. The entire universe. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Okay. So, so that's 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 kind of what what the the extra stuff that 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 I wanted to share with you and and just to to make that clear. Um, and what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to uh, unmute everyone. Um, I think I can do that. Uh, and, and see if anyone has any questions. We didn't really have a, a chance to do questions um, earlier. But uh, let's see if anyone has any questions or, or comments.
Let's see how we do this. Uh, okay, you're all unmuted. Um, does anyone uh, have a question or a comment? Well, that's that's good. That's good news for me because that means that hopefully, hopefully we we have some clarity. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I want to thank you all for for getting on this this talk. And uh, till the next time. Till the next time. Have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for a new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.